This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight, TGIF. It's Friday, ladies and gentlemen. The weekend is here. And I know a lot of you cannot start your weekend without hearing who I have chosen to denounce. Well, you see this? This is a list that I have checked twice, and sure enough, there's no one nice on it. These are all the naughty. These are this week's recipients of... The Other Side of Midnight presents Denunciations. I must begin uh, by uh, denouncing this raccoon who caused a blackout. A raccoon in Toronto was able to cut power to nearly 7,000 people in the city's downtown core on Thursday night, highlighting the fraught coexistence between residents of Canada's largest urban center and the divisive trash pandas. Hydro One, which is Ontario's power utility, said a raccoon made contact with equipment at a downtown station on Thursday night, plunging swaths of the city in darkness. The loss of power also temporarily disrupted service on a key subway line and shut off water, all from a raccoon. Look, I don't know that it's the raccoon's fault, but in the absence of... Someone else to blame. Raccoon, I do denounce you. I must also denounce Joshua Schulte, a former CIA software engineer who was sentenced on Wednesday to 40 years in prison for leaking a trove of classified files to WikiLeaks in what prosecutors described as the biggest theft of classified information in CIA history. Now, I while I like WikiLeaks, I don't condone stealing government information. I do not condone stealing classified information. If you're going to do that, you're taking a risk. But the real reason, you know, even more so that I'm enthusiastic to denounce Joshua Schulte is because of the child porn that he also happened to possess. So this guy not only stole documents from the CIA and leaked them, but he had all sorts of child porn on his his computer. I mean, this guy's a real winner. Joshua Schulte, I do denounce you. I must also denounce 
the practice of nose picking. Oh, yes. If you pick your nose, it could lead to dementia. A new study from uh, from, uh, Australia examines this question, and it doesn't look good. The theory that Australian researchers are suggesting in this new paper published in Biomolecules, they looked at the potential correlation between the habit and neuroinflammation, or the swelling of nervous tissue, including brain tissue. A dirty finger is certainly one way that pathogens can get into the body and potentially the brain. Aging, according to Dr. Charles Duffy, is the number one risk factor for Alzheimer's. These researchers are suggesting that infectious agents that are in the environment do have access to the brain through the nerves of the smelling system that poke through the upper reaches of the sinuses, and a lot of people think that things might get in that way. So wash your hands. That's a very good recommendation. And don't pick your nose, which I think is also kind of gross and should go without saying. But if you needed one more reason not to pick your nose, this is it. Nose picking, I do denounce you. I must denounce... Avraham Gill, the 19-year-old son of Israeli consulate consul for administration Eli Gill in Miami. This is a bratty teenager who ran into a cop with a motorcycle because he hated waiting in traffic. And then when he gets caught, he tried to use his father's diplomatic status to get out of two felony charges after running over this Florida police officer. And thankfully, he is not getting away with it. Gill was arrested on January 27th when he was weaving in and out of cars aboard his motorcycle in Sunny Isles Beach when a police lieutenant performing a traffic stop saw the teen and ordered him to stop. The traffic-hating motorist, not listening to the commands, continued to ride towards the officer and intentionally ran him over. He told officers he was weaving through the vehicles because he hates waiting behind traffic. The officer sustained an incapacitating injury to his left leg, but he still grabbed this punk off his bike and brought him to the ground. During a bond hearing on Sunday, Gill's lawyers argued that the teen's charges should be dropped. As they claim Miami-Dade law doesn't apply to him because he had consular immunity. I mean, what a joke. What a joke. This is the problem with diplomatic immunity. Look, I know that we're not going to do away with diplomatic immunity, but these kids of diplomats and the diplomats themselves think they can get away with anything. Um, Gill had been charged with aggravated battery on a police officer and resisting an officer with violence, both felonies. And at least as of now, he is still facing these charges. So uh, the diplomatic immunity is not enough to get him out of this one, at least not yet. And I hope he does have to pay the piper on this one. I want to, we don't know the name of this person, but I want to denounce this driver who stole the vehicle of a good Samaritan. Let me explain to you what happened. A good Samaritan who stopped to see if the drivers involved in a a crash on I-95 were all right got quite a shock when a New Jersey motorist stole the the good Samaritan's car. 
That's the word from the police yesterday. A white Ram pickup truck was traveling in the right southbound lane of I-95 in Newark on Wednesday morning, Newark, Delaware, on Wednesday morning when it was rear-ended by a red Toyota RAV4. A concerned passerby stopped to check on the drivers for injuries. So while the passerby was doing that, the driver of the RAV4, a 54-year-old man from Woodbridge, New Jersey, we don't have his name yet, hopped into the Good Samaritan's Mercury Mountaineer and fled southbound on the highway. Troopers arrived at 7.09 in the morning after the Mercury was gone. The New Jersey man and the stolen Mountaineer were located in Maryland, nice job, Maryland, by officers from the Perryville Police Department. The man was taken into custody, and once he's extradited to Delaware, he will be charged with one felony count of theft of a motor vehicle and multiple traffic violations. I still don't know why they haven't released his name. But to you, unnamed disrespecter of Good Samaritans, I do denounce you. I must also denounce this person who is similarly unnamed who stole and who looted from an NYPD car on February 1st. Police are looking for this man who looted equipment from an NYPD cruiser in the Bronx on February 1st. I mean, how daring do you have to be as a crook to steal from a police car? This guy sure was daring. This came at... um, 157 East 176th Street in the Bronx when the suspect entered the unoccupied car and stole a laptop, a video camera, keys, and a police radio. After the burglary, the suspect ran off undetected. Now, am I the only one asking the question, why is a police vehicle that has all of this stuff in it, including the keys... Unlocked. I am not a big guy for locking doors. It drives my wife crazy. It's one of the main things that we fight about. But if I have a bag in a car, even if I'm running into a store for a minute, I take my keys with me and I lock the car. Why would the police, whoever had this cruiser, why would they leave all this stuff in there and leave the vehicle unlocked. I just, I don't understand. I'm not, you know, again, I'm still denouncing the guy that did the thievery, but still. Cops described the man as having a light complexion and thin build. He was last seen wearing a dark-colored sweatshirt, blue jeans, and yellow construction boots. No arrests have yet been made, and the investigation remains ongoing. To that gentleman and anyone else that would rob from police cars I do denounce you. I must also denounce the state of Georgia I was in Georgia last year I was uh, one of the 54 I visited 54 cities last year or 54 places. One of them was Atlanta, Georgia I had a great trip trip there for my uh, friend JFK's bachelor party but for all the wonderful things about Atlanta and Georgia apparently their healthcare and their access to healthcare is not one of them Forbes recently conducted a study of the best and worst healthcare systems by state in the U.S., and Georgia came in dead last. 
So how was this determined? So Forbes said that to determine what states are best and worst for healthcare, they compared all 50 states across 24 different metrics spanning four key categories, healthcare access, healthcare outcomes, healthcare costs, and quality of hospital care. So Georgia ranked dead last. Georgia, I do denounce you. I must also denounce whoever stole a radio station tower in Alabama. You know, this is one of these stories that a hundred people sent me in the last two days. And and great, I'd rather too many people send me the story than have a story that I miss. But a radio station in Alabama is was forced to go silent after thieves stole its 200-foot radio tower and other equipment from a building. The station, WJLX, sent a landscaping crew to the site Friday morning for spring cleaning, only to find that the 200-foot radio tower was gone. When a crew member called the station's general manager to break the news, he was in disbelief. What do you mean the tower's gone? Are you sure you're in the right place? I actually used more colorful words than that, he said to NBC News. He said there's wires all over the ground and the tower is gone. Not only was the radio tower stolen, but a nearby building was also vandalized. When the uh, general manager heard the door was left open, that's when reality was starting to set in that something bad had happened. The thieves stole every piece of equipment from the building, including a transmitter. Um, I don't know how you do this. Meaning... No one saw them steal a 200-foot radio transmitter? I don't know. So uh, they've notified the FCC that their AM station is silent. The station is hoping to continue broadcasting its program through FM radio in the meantime. You know, I I am such an advocate of terrestrial radio, and I hate to see WJLX go through this. And I'm wishing them the absolute best because uh, no radio station should ever have to suffer the indignity of having their tower stolen. And whoever's responsible for this, I do denounce you. All right. Um, If you have comments on anyone that I have denounced, you are welcome to give me a call, 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. You know, Wednesday, Wednesday's Valentine's Day. I, I mean, are you as shocked by that as I am? Well, I, um have not yet come up with what I'm going to do for Valentine's Day. So I've asked our friend Jim McCann from 1-800-Flowers to join me for a discussion about Valentine's Day, and hopefully I can get a little Valentine's Day inspiration from him. I mean, what I'm really waiting for is for him to say, Frank, you're such a great guy. Uh, how about you let us send your wife and your mom and your stepmother and your mother-in-law and your sister, a dozen roses each, compliments of us. So far, he has not, <laughs> so far he has not uh, tendered that offer. But who knows? Who knows? This might be the day. We'll see. Uh, if you want to comment on anyone that I have denounced, give me a call, 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Steve in California, who's been patiently holding. Hello, Steve. Thank you, Frank. By the way, uh, is there any way I can pay you guys to uh, send me a CD of the interview we did last month? Oh, you're Lennon the Lennon Murder, Murder Truth, Truth fella. 
Yeah. Okay, well, I'll leave that to Matt Blaze. If he wants to burn you a copy of that interview, uh, I will, I will, I'll, I'll put you on hold after your, your call, and if you want to negotiate with him, uh, that is possible. You don't have the, the internet? You can't just go and download the interview from, from online? Well, I'm pretty much an illiterate 70-year-old. Okay, well, I'll, I'll let you negotiate with Matt Blaze, whatever he wants to do. What, what was your comment, though, Steve? Well, uh, first I want to address uh, David from the Brooklyn, who says that Biden's a patriot. I was wrong in the past that about Mondale, Clinton, Gore, and Obama. I was dead wrong. Uh, I was almost killed in two high-speed accidents under Obama and Biden. That's when I knew they were bad people. But uh, Biden's no a patriot, believe me. Now, the reason I called was um, if Biden should somehow be declared the winner of this next election, it will cause a grassroots mass insurrection, the likes of which we haven't seen in our lifetime, because it will, it will have been fraudulent. And already there's the whiff in the air from the last election is it was fraudulent. And you've got to go to the FBI who would be involved with this. And we've got to wake up as a people, even... RFK Jr. is saying that the whole system has been weaponized against political opponents, and he's my favorite pick of them all. But uh, well, Steve, uh, it's obviously it uh, all the way, folks. Yeah, Steve, I'm going to put you on hold so you can commence your negotiations with Matt Blaze over that CD. But I, um, you know, I obviously I hope you're wrong, right? I hope uh, it's not you know the disastrous kind of thing. My hope is that whatever happens in this election. Um, whoever loses accepts the outcome, and their supporters, more importantly, accept the outcome gracefully. And there aren't people rioting at the Capitol, and there aren't people, you know, trying to say that they hope the the new president fails or, or organizing these marches, as we've seen now when Biden was elected and when Trump was elected. You know what I hope happens when, if your guy doesn't win in November, you say... I'm sorry my guy lost. I hope the guy that won does the best job possible. I, as an American, am committed to helping him do the best job possible. I'm wishing him the best of luck. And if he doesn't do a good job or she doesn't do a good job, I'll vote another way in four years. I mean, this – I don't know when it became fashionable to really just want to destroy your opponent politically. But that's where we are now, is you don't have people that view one another as neighbors with whom we disagree from time to time. We have people that are ready to kill the other side. And the irony is on that, the the politics of that, is if you look at the big issues, issues related to civil liberties, war and peace, um, the military-industrial complex, the surveillance state, uh, you know, politics as usual— the you know lobbyists and the control that lobbyists have and uh, the corporate control of almost every aspect of our lives the irony is the people that are in charge of both the democrats and republicans they agree on almost everything i mean this this so-called border bill that um, I say so-called border bill because it's not a border bill. It was a bill that was primarily designed to fund uh, foreign wars that are being waged by two countries. This so-called border bill negotiated and supported by McConnell and Schumer 
That's typical Washington. And it's amazing that there was enough of an uprising from people to at least stop it. But the big issues Democrats and Republicans agree on, at least the leaders. And yet they have managed to use the media, their fundraising lists, social media entities like MSNBC and Fox News to get everybody whipped up into a frenzy and hate the other side when the truth is that they're really in accord. They're marching arm in arm in terms of bringing the country in the same direction. On a lot of issues, it are the, it's the radicals in both parties. People like Thomas Massey and Rand Paul on the right. People like, uh, you know, uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren and, uh, you know, Ro Khanna on the left that are really interested in making changes and making reforms. But it's so difficult for people to not look at this like pro wrestling. They see R's on one team's shirts. They assume those must be the good guys. They see D's on one team's shirts, and they assume they must be the bad guys. You know, Richard Bay used to end his show, and I thought it was so effective. Surprised I haven't stolen this from him yet. He used to end his show by saying, don't let the media matrix melt with your mind and or meld with your mind. And I think that is an, a reminder that every American needs. And I think you're starting to see it to some extent. I think it's one of the reasons we've seen a surge in popularity for independent media. And it's one of the reasons why people that get their information from independent media, namely young people, they're supporting Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Not that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is so great, but he's a rejection of politics as usual, as we've seen it in Washington. So, um, well, you know, I didn't mean to go off on such a tangent, but uh, we'll talk about Valentine's Day and more with Jim McCann of 1-800-Flowers, straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. other side of midnight i'm frank morano do you think god doesn't have a sense of humor well look only at next week's calendar because next week wednesday is ash wednesday the beginning of a season of fasting and abstinence and sacrifice and you know not indulging in things like chocolate or alcohol or heavy meals and it's also valentine's day so you know the fact that both Valentine's Day and St. Patrick's Day fall during Lent is God's way of laughing at all of us. Well, it was a reminder to me when I looked at the calendar this morning that uh, we are ticking off very closely to Valentine's Day. And this is one of those holidays where 
getting flowers is an absolute must for your significant other. And I would venture to say probably a couple of others as well. No, I'm not talking about any mistresses, but moms, sisters and the like. My go-to Sherpa on getting the most out of holidays is uh, Jim McCann, uh, somebody that's not only a very successful entrepreneur who founded 1-800-Flowers, but he's been an author. And what I didn't realize until recently is uh, he's a pretty great podcaster as well, although his choice of guests is somewhat questionable. So uh, as we all get ready for Valentine's Day, I figured it would be a great opportunity to, again, check in with our friend Jim McCann. Jim, it's great to talk with you. Good to talk to you, Frank. You know, I'd be curious, do they have rites and rituals and traditions in the borough of Staten that relate to Valentine's Day? When you were a kid, when you went to school, did you guys pass out Valentine's to one another? We, you know, I don't think it was ever formalized, but uh, that ended up being the case. I remember in middle school in uh, IS 34 for a dollar, you could send a, a carnation to someone else. Right. And so at our lunch table, basically, we all sent it all the all the guys at our lunch table in the seventh grade sent it to all the girls in, at our lunch table and vice versa. But uh, it was nice to, you know, at least get something. So um, it was I'm not sure it was uh, from 1-800-Flowers, but it's a a lot of fun. Hey, uh, Jim, this is one of those holidays where a lot of people stress about how to make the most, especially if you're in the dating or courtship phase, how to really make Valentine's Day special. What advice do you have for people? Well, uh, I think the first thing I'd say is you you mentioned Valentine's Day is on Wednesday next week. But for us, our, our heavy delivery days start today. Uh, Friday with uh, with uh, Valentine weekend, you have all different kinds of holidays coming up. So the best advice I can give to people is do something, uh, do something to express yourself. If you don't have any money, you can you can write something nice to someone. You could share a song lyric with them. You could share a poem, but do something. And and as as you said in your in your opening comments there, Frank, it's not just the love interest in your life, the romantic love interest. It's your mom who would who would just beam if if uh, Frank sent her a note or a card or a bouquet or some chocolates uh, for Valentine's. Say, Mom, you'll always be my Valentine. Your mom would be beaming day and night for days after that, and and all it would take is a simple gesture from from you. And I, I in my family, you know, we're fortunate enough that we have uh, seven grandkids, and that's in three different households: three, two, and two. And we have a company called the Cheryl's Cookies, which makes the best buttercream frosted cookies that I've ever had. And so my grandkids look forward to, I was telling a buddy of mine this story just about a month ago. I said, well, he had grandkids all over the country. Mine were fortunate or right nearby, but I send them a, a box of Cheryl's heart-shaped buttercream frosted cookies for all the holidays, Valentine's Day, St. Patrick's Day, Christmas, and uh, so they all got their cookies. And I told them, he told me that he did that. And I said, well, I do that too. He goes, but I bet you don't do what I do. And I said, what's that? He said, I tell them if they want to get the next box of cookies for the next holiday, be, they have to be sure to send me a picture of my grandkids eating those cookies. And so he did. He topped me and I said, Brendan, thanks for that advice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the same thing. So we started this Valentine's Day. Nothing feels better than being in a meeting that seems to be going on forever. And you get a text and you open it up and there's a picture of three little gremlin grandkids, each with a cookie and a big smile on their face. Oh, that's wonderful. Whether that's wonderful. Your kids, 
your grandkids, a, a favorite aunt of yours, your mom, if you're really lucky and you have a grandmom, there's a whole lot of people that you could do some kind of little gesture for that would make their day, and by the way, make you feel pretty good too. One of the criticisms about Valentine's Day that I'm sure that you've heard, uh, you know, a, a thousand times every every year around this time is that it's not a real holiday, that it's a hallmark holiday created for uh, people like you, for greeting cards companies, for florists, for uh, that is not really anything. I'm curious how you react to that, because no woman I've ever dated has shared that view. They're always expecting something pretty special for Valentine's Day. I'm sure there's a lady at home named Rachel who would not buy into that. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. But, I, you know, let's let's be honest. When I was sitting in that dark room smoking cigars with Mr. Hall from Hallmark, and we invented this holiday 175 <laughs> years ago, we had that in mind. But, look, Frank, even if it was invented uh, uh, in, in the uh, 14th century, what does it matter? It's on the calendar. It's an excuse for us to think about how we can make somebody else in our life feel good whether it's our spouse or it's our kids or our grandkids or a neighbor or back when you were in the junior high school there, a little girl at the next table. It's, an, it's a calendar excuse. The expectation is there. Uh, yes, we card companies and florists and chocolate companies and cookie companies. It's an important day for us. But isn't it nice that there's a calendar event that makes us stop and say, there are people in my life that make mm. me feel special. I want to make them feel special and let them know how much I think about them, how much I care about them. You I can want to talk look, conversation change how we feel. And you remember the quote by Maya Angelou, uh, Maya Angelou, who said, you'll forget what they said, you'll forget what they did, but you'll never forget the way they make mm. you feel. And you can affect how people feel with a simple gesture. And it doesn't have to cost you any money. That, that text on Valentine's Day morning saying, Bet you thought I forgot I didn't. You're so important to me, and I just wanted to tell you, wish you a happy Valentine's Day. Yeah, well said. Well said. That makes a lot of sense. If people are just tuning in, we're talking with uh, Jim McCann. He's the founder of 1-800-Flowers, also an author and a podcaster, which we're going to talk to you about in a second. But, uh, Jim, before we move on from the subject of Valentine's Day, I have been informed that your one of your many talents is that you've actually been in the film business and that one of your feature your feature film debut was actually a film called Valentine's Day. Tell me about that. It was my debut, Frank, and my final curtain all in uh, one movie. <laughs> it was, geez, it was about, oh, 14 years ago, I think now. Do you remember the director, Gary Marshall? Oh, sure. It's, his sister was Penny Marshall from Laverne and Shirley. Sure. Gary was a very successful TV uh, director, uh, movie director. And later in his life, he started doing these ensemble movies. I get a call in my office. Patty, my assistant, calls me. I'm on the other side of the building. And she says, I have a Gary Marshall on the phone for you. And I said, Gary Marshall? And she said, yeah, you know, the, the movie maker. I said, the movie? I said, I'll, I'll come back to my office and take the call there. So I'm making my way back and I'm trying to figure out which friend of mine is pulling my leg here? And I get on the phone and I hear this very distinct Bronx accent. And Jim, it's Gary Marshall. And I said, yeah. And he went on to say, hey, I do these ensemble movies now. And I just got a contract with Warner Brothers to make a movie called Valentine's Day. And it's set in a flower shop. I have all these big stars. 
It's an excuse for me to hire my family and my friends and have a good time. And I just thought, wouldn't it be neat if you would agree to be in a scene set in a flower shop? Oh, that's great. And when I convinced that he wasn't one of my friends pulling my leg, I said, you know, that sounds like fun. And it was a hoot. I flew out to uh, Burbank. Uh, They had created this flower shop slash cafe kind of concept. I worked with a bunch of nobodies like Dr. McDreamy, Patrick Dempsey, uh, Ashton Kutcher, Jessica Biel, a young lady who's gone on to fame named Taylor Swift, uh, Jennifer Garner, Jamie Foxx. It was a hoot because I spent three days there on set and uh, uh, you go in, you film, and then you do another thing. But the best part was each night, Gary would take about a dozen people out to a restaurant, big round table, and it'd just be crying funny, the conversation around the table with all these amazing stars and talents. So I just had a, it was a pinch me week for me. And, uh, and at the end, Gary said to me, while we were on set, he said, Jimmy, you're doing really good at this. Why don't I give you a speaking part, see if it works. So he gave me a line or two to say, and I, I did them. And he says, gee, that really worked. I think we're going to use that. At dinner that night, he said, you know, thank God you're not a member of the Screen Actors Guild, Jim. I said, why is that? He said, because it cost me a fortune to have done that speaking part for you. I said, Gary, I am a member of the Screen Actors Guild. And he said, holy blank. <laughs> That's great. I'm that shocked you were. Appearance in a movie. And to this day, 14 years later, I just got my residual check on Monday. And that $12.21 is really going to go a long way. <laughs> I love it. I'm shocked. Uh, I'm shocked that you aren't in greater demand than Hollywood after that. Uh, <laughs> lastly, uh, Jim, you were kind enough to invite me on your podcast. I thought it was a great discussion. We covered a, a wide variety of subjects related to uh, radio, related to you know public policy, life, all sorts of things, uh, different personalities that we both knew. I really enjoyed it. Uh, when are people going to be able to hear that and how can they hear it? I, I, that'll be uh, on. Uh, that'll be released on February fifteenth, the day after Valentine's Day, the first, well, the second day of Lent. So you can, our listeners can really do an act of penance that day. <laughs> that is for sure. Well, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it, and uh, I'm going to link to that well, interview. You. It, was, it was such fun to have on. Uh, you know, you know, I'm a fan. You know, I'm a regular listener, and I really come to like and respect you and being able to spend that time with you is a real treat for me and get to know you better is a really good thing. Well, I feel the same way. And uh, as soon as that's posted, I'm going to share that on my Facebook page as well. People can check it out. Hey, uh, Jim McCann, it's always a treat to you uh, to talk to you. Have a great Super Bowl. Have a great Valentine's day. We'll talk soon. All right, Frank, all the best. If you want to comment on any portion of my discussion with Jim McCann, give me a call, 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight, straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Side of Midnight with Frank Morano.
the great Christopher Cross singing Arthur's theme, which nobody even knows that this is it's called Arthur's theme. Everyone thinks this song, not everybody, but a lot of people think it's called Somewhere Between the Moon and New York City. A great song uh, from a great film, and uh, we've talked about this before. This is one of those uh, songs that actually developed a whole uh, life outside of the film by which it's known. I, I love that film. It's one of my favorites with Dudley Moore. I'll tell you, I don't think there's anyone that knows that film better than my father. You know, uh, maybe about six months ago, I was together with my uh, my dad and uh, my dad's family, and we were going through movies that we all thought we knew well. And, I, you know, I think I know The Godfather well. I did until this. So what we would do was we would give you a line of dialogue and then you would have to say the next line of dialogue. And I thought I would get every single one of these Godfather quotes. At best, I was better than average, but I was far from perfect. My sister was brilliant with, um, what's that, Uh, The Devil Wears Prada. She knows that movie better than uh, I know everything. And my dad was terrific with the film Arthur. He was perfect. He was, I think, 20 for 20. We would give him a line of dialogue, and he immediately would know the next line of dialogue. So um, this was actually a birthday bumper music selection from my uh, stepmother, Elizabeth, who is uh, celebrating her birthday today. Happy birthday, Liz. I am looking forward to seeing you tomorrow and uh, celebrating with you then. I got her, uh, she is not listening now, but I got her a signed copy of Malachi McCourt's book, courtesy of my friend John McDonough, who, in spite of the fact that he's getting ready to go to Ireland Saturday, took my my book, my Malachi, because she's a fan of Frank McCourt, so I thought she'd get a kick out of this Malachi McCourt book. He took this Malachi McCourt book that I purchased, which is his first memoir, A Monk Swimming, and he took it all the way up to, I think, upstate, got Malachi to sign it and record a nice little video, which I know she's really going to enjoy. So that was uh, really nice of John to, uh, to do that. So thank you, John. All right. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. We will get to your calls momentarily. I uh, I got a haircut this week, yesterday, and I must say, I think it looks pretty good. Could have gone a little shorter. You know what it is? I used to always go shorter, which I like, because my hair grows so quickly. My hair grows like a chia pet. And I used to go super short. I leave it a little long on top and then super short on the sides, I would call it a, a Kim Jong-un haircut. And I, I like that because I would not have to go every three or four weeks. Be, you know, you could stretch it maybe a month, a month and a half when it goes that short. But about three years ago, I got into the habit of going to this one barber, a great guy, gave me my first haircut after COVID, and after things were, even before things opened up, we did sort of an unauthorized scalping for charity. And um, everyone liked the way it looked. And my wife said, oh, you should go to him all the time. So sure enough, I've been going to him for three years. Great guy. And he is just, you know, he got in the habit of cutting my hair a little longer. And so now whenever I go there, 
he always says, oh, you want the usual? I always say yes. I don't, I don't have the heart to say, no, nah, don't give me what you've been giving me for the last, you know, three years. Give, it, give me something super short. <laughs> so, but, uh, but I think it looks good. You know, the only bummer of that is I run in to the, and I, you know, he's got appointments and he's quick. He knows I don't have a lot of time and he's got basically a full day booked with haircut appointments. The area where my barber shop is, technically, there are, it's metered parking. Technically. I have never seen a metered maid over there. Never. Never. So, and this is all my fault, 100% my fault, not blaming anybody but me. I go in there, I find this beautiful spot right in front of the barbershop. Car pulls out, I pull in. And I think, oh boy, okay. Yeah, I see the sign that says metered parking. They're not going to come. In the next 10, 15 minutes, what are the chances? Well, obviously by now you've guessed the chances are pretty good. So I, I walk out of the barbershop with a delightfully stylish haircut, which was noticed by the likes of Dominic Carter. And I see there's a beautiful orange parking ticket waiting for me on my windshield. Now, thankfully, it's only $35, but it's... um. It was, you know, I hate wasting money on parking tickets because you're not buying anything. You're not accomplishing anything. You don't even get the thrill of placing a bet or anything like that. So, but whatever. I've gotten a lot of parking tickets for a lot more money than that. So there's that. All right. 800-848-9222. Ron is in Michigan. Hey, Ron. Good morning, Frank. Frank, I'll tell you a Valentine's Day story. I got married on R&R in Vietnam on Valentine's Day. And, um. It was kind of a, a, I told my wife, I said, I want to get married in R&R. But when she got there, she kind of like said, you know, I, uh, I, I, I thought it was a joke. But, uh, you know, went and got a blood test from the Army, which was illegal. Uh, we, we went to a, a church, and a, a preacher just happened to marry another couple. He said, I said, can you do ours too? And he did it. But, uh, you know, the marriage turned out to be the marriage from hell. Oh. But uh, the... Uh, you know, I I can never remember dates, anniversaries, but I you know I did Valentine's Day because you can never forget Valentine's Day, but you know t- turning out to be a, a nightmare ma- uh, marriage. You know, it's it's kind of like a curse now. I feel on on her and, and me because she could never forget, or we both can never forget. You know, the joy of the marriage on Valentine's Day, and then the <clears throat> just the rotten part of uh, of, uh, of the. Uh, of the whole life, uh, you know, even to this day, you know, she, uh, you know, she's reached out to me, but I, 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 I she's the last person in the world I ever want to see again or Ugh. even talk to. I'm okay. so sorry to hear that, Ron. That sounds awful. Well, that's the way life is. You know, it's, uh, it's good and bad and you got to move on to, uh, you know, I'm in, I'm in a very good marriage right now and, uh, I'm happy. You know, it's like the Rolling Stones song. You can't always get what you want. Sometimes you get what you need. There you go. That's the right attitude. There you go, Ron. Well, I'm sorry that first Thank one you, didn't work out for you, but uh, I'm glad you seem to be in a, uh, a better position now. Uh, I'm looking forward to a fun weekend, my last weekend of drinking before Lent, and I am uh, I have some plans with my wife and some uh, some neighbors tonight, and then uh, tomorrow we're going to a dinner party at my uh, my brother's house, and then on Sunday we got the Super Bowl. I really don't have any plans for the um, 
for the Super Bowl. So I'm probably just going to watch the game home. I'm trying to think of something creative to do with Monday's show with respect to the Super Bowl. You know what I thought might be fun? To have people that aren't sports people talk about the game. Like I thought it might be fun to have, I don't know, um, uh, Paul Manafort and Anthony Weiner do post-Super Bowl analysis. Wouldn't that be interesting? Or, you know, uh, have uh, Rudy Giuliani analyze the halftime show, right? I mean, how many times can you have uh, sports broadcasters talk about sports and then an expert in advertising talk about commercials? Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of something creative and different. If you have a thought, let me know. Uh, 800-848-9222 at another radio station. that, Or you can email me, frank.morano at redappleaudionetworks.com. Um. Another radio station that I was working on, we were doing kind of a, a fundraising drive for the Salvation Army, and a friend of mine, Bob, and what I offered as a prize for anyone that gave over $1,000 to the Salvation Army is um, they could co-host an hour of the show with me. And a friend of mine, Bob, who I haven't seen in a while, but is a great guy, he might be listening now. So um, Bob Gilmartin, wonderful man, and if anybody knows him out on Long Island, tell him I said hello. But Bob said... He gave, made a contribution to the Salvation Army, came in early on a Sunday morning, and he said, what I've always wanted to do, and I think he might have gotten this from Arthur Schwartz or somebody, uh, Jonathan Schwartz or somebody like that. He said, I'd love to, on Super Bowl Sunday, do a show all about baseball. And that's what we did. We did a whole show all about baseball, baseball players, baseball cards, and it was really interesting now, on Super Bowl Sunday. So I thought it would, I'm, I'm trying to think of something like that for Sunday night into Monday's show. But so far, nothing is coming to me. Hey, this is an interesting question I got from a listener. She writes me, you're at the dentist and the dental assistant doesn't pull her hair back and it's nearly touching your face and even with gloves on, the assistant touches her inner ear and then places gauze on your bleeding gums folding the the gauze so she's really handling it. Do you say anything? She said, this is a real question, so I hope you can answer me directly or, you know, and, and give your answer. So my answer is, I am the most oblivious person in the dentist chair that there is. I would not notice what they're doing at all. I'm in my own world. Usually there's people talking to me. My dental hygienist, Angela, is tops. But if I noticed this, that she touched her inner ear and then placed gauze on your bleeding gums, would you say anything? I am of the passive-aggressive variety, so I probably would not say anything I would probably then complain about it on the radio the next day, if I noticed. But chances are I wouldn't notice. Tony, what about you? What about this situation that this woman finds herself in? That's nasty. So would you say something? Yes, I would. What would you say? Um, Can you please um, put your hair up and wash your hands and put some gloves on, please? Well, she said she has gloves on. She said she had gloves on. She touched her ear with the gloves and from what it sounds like, touch the gauze with the with the gloves. But so you would say, put your hair up, and okay, so far, so okay, I, I get that. What about you, Matt? 
I, I'd be like you. I, I wouldn't say anything. You wouldn't. Why not? Yeah, I, I probably wouldn't even notice. Right. See, you're like me. Yeah, we're 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 oblivious. Tony I, yeah. and and this lady, they they're of the noticing variety. Do you go to the dentist every six months? No. How often do you go? Um, it's been a year. You gotta I'm due, go. I'm due for another checkup. Why why don't why don't you go every six months? It just happens, you know. Gotta go. You gotta go. Uh, what about you, Matt? You go every six months? No, it's been a while. How long? At least. Two years. Two years? <laughs> At least. What are you guys doing? Yeah. Your well, teeth cannot be replaced. Well, I, I, I use an electronic toothbrush, <laughs> which was a big step. How many times a day do you floss? I floss in the morning, like when I get home. Okay, so you're flossing at least floss. once a day. And I use electronic toothbrush, so I, it, it, you're timed on how you brush your teeth, so you, you're doing a good job. And I've been, I've been a lot better with my dental care. Over the, in the believe it, two years is nothing. I didn't go to the dentist for like 15, 20 years. Oh, no, I, I, I hate hearing that. I hate hearing that. Longest I ever went was, was I think, two and a half years, maybe 10 or 11 years ago. And the dental hygienist says to me, Look, I'm not going to be upset if you've been somewhere else. In fact, I'm hoping you have. Tell me you have. And I said, No. And fortunately, it could have been much worse. I don't think I had any cavities, but I had plaque um, or uh, tartar. Tartar, or one of the two. I think it was Tartar. You got to go to the dentist, folks. Every six months. Very important. Your influence counts. Use it.